Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Kente Corner, your favorite casual Hoya basketball podcast. I'm Bobby Bancroft. And today, in what is going to be a series of lead-up podcasts heading to the NCAA tournament, we're back with Andrew Geiger by popular demand, Mr. Casual Hoya. Andrew, a couple things have changed since you were last on the pod. We're back. Um, yes, I think it's it's been a while since our last pod together. I think that was after the the big Amin Muhammad commitment. Um, so yeah, we only bring you in for the big events. You're right. You know, I'm, my time is very valuable, as I'm <laughs> sure you can understand. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. Actually, it's actually fairly worthless. Um, but, yes, a lot has changed especially in the last week, huh? I mean, it's, it's really remarkable how, you know, our season, the season can start back in October, November, whatever it was, and the fan base was, was so, you know, muted until the Big East tournament, and, and oh, what a difference a week makes. It, it's been a remarkable turnaround for not just this team's performance on the court, but really the performance of the fan base uh, on social media, uh, on Casual Hoya, everywhere. It's it, it really brings up um, some good memories. You know, some people are returning to the site who haven't commented in years. You know, they had checked out, um, and, and now they're back, and it feels like the old days. You know, I, we really haven't had this sort of response to a team since, I guess, the last time we made the tournament, um, you know, when we lost to Utah. Um, but this team itself isn't is much more beloved than that team. I would say. I mean, I think that the, the fervor that surrounds this team and what it's accomplished by, you know, running the table in the Big East tournament probably dates back to the the Otto Porter squad. You know, that 2013 yeah. team. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's a completely different way. Uh, you know, I think if you had if you'd given me the odds of this after like I don't know the Navy podcast or the Coppin State podcast or you know one of those first podcasts, I had no idea we would still be doing podcast in March. Well. I'd still be doing them. We'd find a way to do them, but you know what I mean? Have them actually be about games that are upcoming, which is just unbelievable. And yeah, I think that's a good point you bring up. Just the idea, I don't know how how you were consuming the tournament, but for me, obviously we're so locked in on the Hoyas here that, you know, probably more than almost anywhere else, but the idea that you can't watch SportsCenter, you can't watch ESPN, which by the way, doesn't have the rights to the league, but you can't watch and not have them, you know, Rich is doing the Hoya wins. They're counting the Hoya wins. Patrick Ewing's all over the news because, you know, he's complaining and joking about, you know, and people not recognizing him inside the garden. And then, oh, by the way, what Georgetown's doing on the court, it was just, it was great to just matter, right? I mean, it was just, it was just awesome. It has been a long time since we mattered. Um, yeah. And I, I think every Hoya fan takes some sense of pride when you turn on the TV um, and you see Ewing on there being interviewed by someone. I mean, last night, I, 
happened to turn on ESPN, and he was being interviewed by, by SVP, and it was great. You know, I mean, we, for those last few days, uh, probably, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we were the show in yeah. all of college basketball. And the Georgetown uh, brand, which for so many years was, was hated, you know, we, we were the, the bully, um, you know, if you will. It was easy to, to root against us, I suppose, if you were a, a, one of our rivals. Yeah. We were one of the most beloved teams in the country, and everyone was rooting for us. Um, and it was, it was just it, – it's kind of great to be in that role. I think you brought up in one of your previous podcasts um, how kind of – it's interesting that we are now that double-digit seed. You know? Yeah, it's great. Oh, great. It's great. We, we, we are now the hunters um, as opposed to being perhaps the hunted. So let's, let's, let's see what happens here in the tournament. Uh, it's amazing that we're even having this conversation. So for me, everything is gravy from here on out. I really have zero expectations, but it, it's been such a fun ride. It's funny you use that uh, term because I actually used that going <laughs> as modest as it seemed at the time going into the Big East tournament, I believe, in the first preview for Marquette. I said, it's kind of gravy. I said, look, you know, we thought that this was a team that was, you know, you know, pre-COVID, I think they were three and eight. We were just happy to see them play basketball again. And then the fact that they were in the mix to go 500 in the league, the fact that they didn't finish last, I thought that was gravy. Like, you know, so I don't even know what, um, I'm not sure what. Well, well what... you could you could have said, okay, well, the, the Mar- beating the Marquette in the, uh, you know, the Georgetown Invitational, the 8-9 game. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Okay, so we got that monkey off our back. Now, here we are. It's Thursday. Um, Villanova. Okay, unbelievable win over Villanova. Okay, so we get to Friday. All of yeah. a sudden, you're like, wait a minute. We're two wins away from making the tournament. Okay. Beat Seton Hall. Now we're 40 minutes away from winning the tournament and making the NCAA tournament. It would have been kind of crushing to lose on Saturday night. You right? think so? Again, when you're so close yeah. and you're, you're playing a team like Creighton that you've beaten before and you've got all the momentum, you know, and it, when the game started and we're down 13-6, you're like, oh, man, has the, has the magic run out? And <laughs> oh, no, it, it had not. It had not. It would have been... For me, great run, but, man, we were so close to making the dance and making that really special to now yeah. unbelievable. Cement, the team has cemented its place in history, cemented its place, you know, among the fan base and as, as one of the most beloved teams ever. And um, now, though, I truly think that no matter what happens, whether it's against Colorado or, you know, if we get to Florida State, it looks like, it's really icing on the cake, gravy, whatever cliche you want to you want to use. The team has has come together so well um, in the past week that no matter what happens in the dance, I think everyone's going to be looking forward to next season. No, absolutely, and it's hard to think about next season and not look at what just happened in this past tournament, specifically Dante Harris. And I want to say first of all. <clears throat> I thought he had a good season. I thought he was in the mix for Big East um, to be on the all-freshman team. He didn't get that. He did, however, follow up a couple days later by winning what I would say is the most important award in the conference, uh, winning the MVP of the whole damn tournament. But I think when you even that, – that should be enough, right? But I want to take it just like one step further because I had a tweet that for me has done really, really well. I think it's up to like 700 likes, which I said some kids left last year. 
and then the ones that stayed get to hang a banner. Now, Dante Harris wasn't on the team last year, but he basically came in and replaced two of the guys that left and an unheralded local recruit via a stop in Tennessee. That part of it, to me, is just I, – I can't even wrap my head around it. Yeah, I mean, the Dante Harris story is obviously a tremendous one. To, to watch the, the evolution of Dante Harris uh, since he took over as a starting point guard to, to now has been really impressive. And he's something has just clicked for him, you know, not just on the defensive end where he's always kind of fast to get to spots on the floor. Um, and he's always been good about shutting down to some extent the, the opponent's point guard. But offensively, I mean, that little, you know, crossover into a J from the top of the key is, is was like lights out in the biggest tournament. I mean, yeah. he, you know, I, I think he was getting to the rim with, with, with such ease, I, I was almost faulting him for not finishing on so many. But those were, I mean, those are great drives. I mean, he's running the offense, um, doing everything that, that you need him to do. My only concern in the tournament, we've never seen him get into foul trouble, right? Like, sure. I, I, I don't recall a game where he's picked up, like, two quick fouls and has had to sit for any extended amount of time, especially, you know, in the first That's half. That's a good point. I... Yeah. I we, and, you know, I've had nightmares about watching Javon Blair run the offense and throwing passes into, like, the third row. So, you know, I, my one hope for Colorado, especially since they have this all-world point guard who, admittedly, I've never seen him play for a single minute, um, is Harris perhaps getting into some foul trouble, which would really hurt us. Well... You're right. That's probably the one spot where they don't have depth. But when you look at what happened in the tournament, so it's like, okay, you know, we're still kind of in the infancy of dealing with the Javon Blair off the bench thing, which, by the way, has worked out <laughs> ridiculously well. So you get mm-hmm. the first game, you know, Blair and Wahab kind of lead the way. Marquette just never got it going. They held Marquette to 49 which at the time was the low that they've held any Big East team. I say at the time because it didn't last very long. Okay, then you get to the Villanova game. Obviously, we know what Harris did at the end. Um, Wahab was good again. You know, uh, Pickett showed up a little bit more. And then Pickett came into his own, not just on offense, but in defense, what I think was probably one of the best performances we've seen from the kid. And I say kid as he's a senior now. But, you know, just shutting down one of the three you know, regular season player of the year in um, Mamu for Seton Hall and scoring 19, you know, and being very, very efficient. And then you're kind of like, man, you know, the one guy that's just been, if you can point to one catalyst for the turnaround post-pause, who is it? It's Jude Abile. Well, guess what? Welcome to the Big East Championship where he leads the Hoyas with 19. I think even there's probably, you know, things that didn't end up in the stat sheet, his intimidation, his defense, just like, you know, if there's a loose ball, guess who's getting it? It's going to be him. You know, so the fact that, yes, foul trouble would be bad for Harris, but it's not like you can just focus on like one guy for Georgetown. Like they went from basically being Blair and Pickett to like, you know, six deep and not even mentioned Don Carey. Yeah, no doubt. And, and, and Belay, by the way, that game that he played against Creighton was one of the best performances I've seen from a Georgetown player on both sides of the ball in a long time. He was everywhere, right? I mean, just play with the chip on the shoulder, hustle the shit out of that game. He dunks, threes, lockdown defense, you know, chasing down rebounds. I mean, honestly, I was watching that game being like, does this guy belong in the league? Like, right. he, was, he was that good in that game. That good. And one other thing about the Creighton game, 
maybe this is a testament to Ewing, uh, or maybe we just couldn't go wrong pushing all the buttons, you know, over the course of that week. But Holloway gets in the game. We're down 13-6. I think Wahab comes out and Holloway comes in, and you're like, uh-oh, like, what is this? I'm not really sure how this is going to work out. He, Colin Holloway, I mean, next thing you know, he's pulling down rebounds. He's got these hustle plays going. It, it turned around the whole thing. I mean, it clearly energized all the guys on the court. The bench was fired up, and, you know, next thing you know, we're up 18 at the half. No, you're right. And we saw a little bit of that. I know I talked about it after the Villanova game. Holloway came in that game, too. And you're thinking, uh, we haven't seen this guy in a while. What's going on? Uh, you yeah. know, and he played he played seven minutes. He was plus 11. Like, he, you know, it's almost like to me what it reminds me of a little bit is um, we saw some cameos. And I'm not trying to say he's going to go this way. But we saw some cameos of Benjamin as a freshman. And it's just yeah. like, what's Benjamin doing on the court, you know? And, and you're like, oh, I get it now. I get it, you know? Um, so that's what kind of, it kind of made me feel that that way, you know? I mean, I think we all knew that he would shorten his bench and he did to, to a certain extent. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. How much do you think, you know, for me being in the media and, you know, getting a chance to cover this team for a long time now one of the things we've kind of learned about Ewing and I think Ben brought it up the other day and it's definitely true is that you know we don't get a lot after losses he's not gonna like shake it off and sort of give you like you know witty one-liners like he's pissed right like he's pissed he feels it like you know so he's not gonna he can't just turn on the charm and be like a just like smile and whatever but after the wins man we get a lot of good stuff you know i don't know if it was just how he was feeling that day or if he thought to himself you know i'm patrick ewing this is madison square garden let me take the heat off of my guys and let it become all eyes on me or you know like i said maybe he just felt that way but i thought that him it was it was brilliant if he did it that way to take the attention away from his guys with the whole no one that works here knows who the hell I am. Like my 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 ID, yeah, look up at the rafters. There's there's my jersey, dude. I don't have my ID on me. I'm seven feet tall. Clearly I'm somebody. Give me a break. So I thought that was genius. Yeah, look, uh, do I know if it, whether that was calculated <laughs> or not? No. But we don't we do know and you know from you know participating in every Zoom after every game is that Ewing has a lot of pride. Right. Yeah. And so any person would feel disrespected if they had that situation happen to them. Um, I, if I walked into my office, I guess, and someone asked me for an ID, I'd be like, what do you mean? I'm here all the time. Yeah. <laughs> like, maybe, maybe that's a bad analogy, but that's essentially what Ewing was feeling. He's like, wait a minute, you know, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and, of course, the media jumped on it and, and this stuff with everyone loves to bomb on James Dolan, so it kind of fed into that stuff, and you got right. Mike Lee and Charles Oakley, and, you know, it just brought <laughs> up all that all that wave again. Um, but everybody loves a great story, and, you know, Ewing coming back to New York with the Hoyas and being the eighth seed and winning the tournament, it, it just everything came together, um, not just for the fans, but really for 
the outside media as well. So, I mean, everything was coming up roses for Georgetown, and it, it's kind of nice to see. Literally, I mean, I don't know anyone who said anything negative about Georgetown over the past few days. Um, and I was looking. Uh, but <laughs> but I, I, it seemed like you've got Sam Van Gundy coming out of the woodwork, and it's just everybody. Um, it was just really nice. So on this podcast, you know, over the last year and maybe even longer the last two years, it's kind of like, you know, when's this going to get going? When's this going to get going? Obviously we know it took a step back um, last year for the reasons that, you know, they just, the roster, they just lost guys. Right. And they had to, you know, retool and they did. And I don't think that anyone's ever suggested Ewing was in trouble for his job, but the last four days, did it kind of make up for the last four years of, I don't think people were expecting tournament the first year, maybe the second year people were excited. Definitely last year. And this year came out of nowhere. It's funny how, you know, life and sports work, but do you think from the Georgetown fan side of it, like, do you think that this is enough? I mean, I think so. Yes. Yes. I mean, any thought that people had saying, Oh, this has to be a prove it year or, um, okay, well, not maybe this year, but next year because he's got the class coming in. So next year is the prove it year. That's out the window. It's done. Yeah. I mean, you 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 win a Big East tournament uh, in, in year four. Uh, you know, you bring the hardware back to Georgetown for the first time since about 2007. It's just you're done. I mean, there's no there's no more. Not only is he's not in a hot seat, he's not in any sort of lukewarm seat. There's no degree of heat that can be associated with his seat as the head coach of Georgetown moving forward. No, for, and, for and I think... And, and really, I think because it's only going to get better. At least it should get better, right? I, I mean, and that, yeah. I Go think that, that's one of the interesting things as well, is that on numerous occasions, we've heard him on the Zooms, and then, you know, when we see him on FS1 and stuff, which, by the way, FS1 is the official Twitter home of Casual Hoya. Uh, there was a big... Yes. the uh, Your uh, GameStop tweet was uh, big time. Um, yeah, I just finished doing a press run just before I jumped on the call. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, we've we, we've heard him go out of his way to mention how good the recruiting is, which I think if you're not really paying attention to Georgetown and you don't know that, you might be like, oh, God. Like, you know, if you're a neutral that's enjoying the run, but you don't really care, you're looking at it you're like, oh, wow, they're, they're going to be a little bit of a problem. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think if you're the rest of the Big East, you're looking at Georgetown and being like, huh, this is a team that should be finishing in the top three, four of the conference for the foreseeable future. Right. Yeah. It, and, it's, it's, and since and since we're projected to finish last this year, that's, that's a pretty significant turnaround in a pretty quick time. I think everyone's always seen that Ewing can coach, particularly offensively. The defense is what we're all concerned about. That's come around. And Ewing's had time. And I know in today's day and age, nobody wants time to do anything. You want immediate results. But he also, you know, needed to figure out coming from the NBA where you don't have to recruit, right? He's the assistant coach in the NBA. He's not even signing free agents. That's what the GM is doing and the coach. He's just coaching. And we've heard him say many times, it's not just coaching. It's on some level, you're a father figure, you're an educator, you're a role model and stuff like that. So it's not just about coaching, which we know he can do and he's proven. But once he figures out the kind of kids he needs to be around, the kind of kids that can whatever level or, you know, whatever style he has of coaching, not everyone's going to, you know, like that, right? And that's going to happen even once you become established. Transfers happen. But you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't just coaching. It was who does he need on his roster? And he kind of figured that out. And when you think about it, four years 
while the road getting there can be tough if you're looking for tournament success, it's actually not that long of a time to try and get good at a job that's very difficult. So I think that's the way to look at it. I know you saw today that there was one brave American, Sam Blum of the Dallas Morning News, who apparently was the only AP voter that had a TV this weekend. How are you telling me there's like 50 AP or 60 AP voters a couple of them didn't want to put Georgetown in the top 25 after what they just watched? Just one guy? Uh, better than zero. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying that they should be in the top 10, but I mean, like, I don't think it would have been too crazy for a bunch of people to sprinkle Georgetown, like, in, like, the uh, 20 to... I mean, if you look at... I was watching the selection show, yeah. again, for the first time probably since 2015. And Me too. Georgetown was, what, the... Uh, 47th overall seed. Yeah, but the AP poll is like what's happening right now. It's just a weird season. Yeah, I get it. But like, you know, am I surprised that more didn't? Uh, You know, it's it's almost the kind of thing where, and voters get so bombed now, like by people on social media and Twitter that if they were to cast a vote for like a team like Georgetown, they're like, oh man, this, you know, they just get too much crap from, from, you know, people who are on Robinhood trading GameStop shares. Um, that you know they, they really don't deserve. So I'm glad he actually stood up for what he believed in and, and cast cast the vote for Georgetown. And so you said what? It was the first one since 2017. Yeah, I remember they started like eight and zero, and then they lost to Syracuse. So it was, I think it was overtime game. But we had mm-hmm. there was a couple guys. I want to say it was a guy down in Roanoke had voted Georgetown a couple weeks in a row. And yeah. I think at halftime of that Syracuse game, I was thinking, well, shit, maybe maybe they are good because you know the schedule was very. Very interesting to start that year. But yeah, it's been a long time, and I expect them to next year have – there will be no reason to bring up the fact that one guy voted for them. Let's just say it that way, okay? Like, this, it's, it's, it's an interesting tidbit right now. Going forward, yeah, this is with, – Without looking too far ahead, I mean, we've got a lot of – we have an unfinished business coming in the next few weeks. But yes, so. you, you are potentially looking at a team <laughs> that might be ranked in the top 25 next year. Yeah. Preseason. Yeah, which is nice. So, yeah, so you're right. We got to watch the selection show for the first time in what seemed like forever. It was nice. It was also nice, you know, for them to just make us wait until basically, you know, one of the last picks. Did you, were you happy? I guess I'll ask it this way. What, were you thinking 12? Were you thinking 13? Were you like thinking, no, maybe they're going to be a 10? Because a lot of times teams get overvalued based on what they do in their tournament. I figured they're going to be about an 11 or a 12. Yeah, I mean, I think for, from all the bracketology stuff, I listened to the podcast you had with, with Brad Wachtel, and it's really, as far as the, the question goes of where I thought they'd be seated, most of the bracketologists had them in the 12 range. I'm yeah. fine with that. I mean, you know, the 12-5 is fine with me. You get to play a four the next round. Um, did I think that, uh, did, did we warrant perhaps a 10? Perhaps. I mean, we have some questionable losses, but we also have some pretty strong wins. Um, Although I guess the Big East was a little bit down this year, but hey, it, it doesn't really matter. I, I <laughs> saving the best for last. I guess that was kind of interesting how we had to wait so long for our matchup. Uh, but it did, did seem that most people were right in who our potential opponent would be. You know, with some sort of revolving door of Colorado, maybe Florida State, maybe Tennessee, um, and you know, the, I guess the one that fan base really wanted to see but we didn't quite get there was was texas tech yeah i think somebody pointed out on twitter and i apologize for not remembering who it is but they made a pretty good case that 
that would give him too much spotlight, right? Like, you know, Matt McClung transferred. He was a good player here. He's been basically the same player at Texas Tech. He's a good college player. But the idea of like, you know, Ewing versus McClung or, you know, Georgetown, you know, that's actually that I, I think it's it gives it, it gives too much weight for that. I mean, guys transfer all the time. It was a total bummer when it happened. We can all agree on that. It's clearly worked out. Okay. Maybe a couple yeah. weeks ago we wouldn't have said that, but we're definitely can say it right now. So I think yeah. that I think the TV matchup of Georgetown versus Texas Tech, I I would have understood I would have understood it, but I think that it would just be it w- it would have overshadowed what the current team has done well i mean overshadow sure but you know if you talk about serving something up to feed this fan base that is already rapid you know <laughs> that would that would be the, the greatest dessert of all time you know putting <laughs> mac mcclung who look I, i'm not part, part of the fan base at all that every time he does something i'm like uh every time he misses a shot i'm tweeting about it you know i don't care right. i mean he's, he's gone as far as i'm concerned he can do whatever he wants um, but that would be a, a pretty nice thing to add to our revenge tour, you know? Um, to, oh, to, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Uh, but look, we're, we're writing our own story. We don't need Mac McClung to interfere. With exactly. Him. Exactly. No, I, I totally agree with that. And, um, do we have any thoughts on Colorado other than they're in trouble? I, I have never seen Colorado actually. <laughs> I think I was looking up the other night, and they might have been playing was it Oregon State? Yeah. That's they played. Yes. But I didn't really pay any attention. Um, I, I, it doesn't really matter who we're playing, as far as I'm concerned. What's What's funny, and then I don't say that because oh, you know, we're going to beat anybody. I just say because again, all of this is gravy at this point. Um, if I did have a bunch of people, you know, text me, oh, Colorado's a great matchup for Georgetown, and you know, we we we're going to kill them on the glass and, and do all this and do all that and I'm going to be surprised if we don't get to the Elite Eight and to be honest Final Four I'm like okay guys <laughs> let's, 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 just, let's just chillax let's just take this one game at a time um, we're happy to be here as a fan base like I'll say this I think as a fan base we're happy to be here I don't think the players are happy to be there in the sense that like I think they have designs on going very far which is obviously the right attitude to have um but uh, Colorado, have you scouted them? I don't know. What do they even do well? I know they have the point guard, but is he like some well, – what does he do? Is he They've got like a pretty a, good – you know, he's, he's he's one of those senior point guards, so he's very steady. He's very experienced. Um, you did bring up the foul trouble for Harris, and, you know, maybe if he's if he's wily enough, he can, you know, bait the freshman into, into some mistakes. But they're just a pretty efficient offense. They shoot threes pretty well. They're ridiculous from the free throw line, which, as we saw this week, when Georgetown needs to be, they can be as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so I don't know a whole lot about them. I do know that I was very focused because I think that there's six or seven venues that are hosting games. And I want to say that when this came out, that it was going to be in Indianapolis at that time, which any time before last week, we weren't thinking Georgetown would be there. But I think we made the joke, or Ben and I, or somebody, Marcus, that, you know, wow, if Georgetown could play all their games at Hinkle, they could probably win a national title. Well, that's yeah. almost going to kind of happen. So <laughs> I think that's actually the bigger story than the opponent. And tomorrow I'm going to talk to to, uh, to uh, DSR about it. Oh, look at that. Look at that, oh, little, yeah. teaser you, look at that little teaser you just dropped. Oh, yeah. Um, it's nice 
that we just played Hinkle. Obviously, it's an environment that's a well, environment. I mean, it's a, it's a venue that we're familiar with. Uh, obviously, Colorado, I don't think they've ever played there before. Uh, anything that can help us is a good thing at this point, right? Um, I haven't checked the betting lines in a while. I know we opened as a five-point dog. I think it's still me, there. Is, is it still five? I saw five and a half at first, and I think it's I think it's five. Last time I looked. Yeah, that, that's actually su- a bit surprising to me. Um, I saw in that, which way? Uh, that it's that high. That is okay. that many points. Um, I would have thought that, and I haven't checked again, but I, I would have thought that the line would have come down quite a bit. Were we a five when we played Eastern Washington? Four. Were they four? We were four. I remember in that in that game, um, not that Eastern Washington was, was favored, but it was almost like disrespectful what the spread was, I think, at game time for that one. Like, That's Eastern a good Washington point. Was, they were like the trendy, you know, upset pick, which I guess we well, earned. Was Washington yeah. – I'm sorry. Was Eastern Washington the trendy upset pick or was – was it the other? That's actually okay. So that's a good point. The last few times Georgetown's been in this tournament, you go in as a Hoya follower, thinking just, "Oh my God, please, just don't be embarrassed." <laughs> don't. No, I mean right. seriously, right? And yeah. I, I remember because you know we've obviously had these things happen. I remember Craig Stouffer, who used to cover the team really well for the um, the uh, DC Examiner. We went out to Columbus together. And that was just after, you know, they'd been upset in 10 by Ohio and 11 by VCU, which I'll put an asterisk because Chris Wright was hurt, whatever. But, uh, mm-hmm. he, you know, he was like, dude, they're not losing to Belmont. Everyone needs to just get their act together. This team's really good. And I was like, I like this guy. Like, because I, I was, you know, I was sort of just nervous about it. They went out there. Belmont was the trendy pick, you know. They went out there and did their business. Um, lost to NC State in a very back and forth game in the second round, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then we know what happened in the third team, but then 15, it was the same thing. And Craig Stouffer wasn't covering the team anymore. So I, no one gave me that pep talk, but I remember in that game, there was a moment where it was going bad. And that was the Bradley Hayes is a thing game. Remember? Like oh, he had to go great. in because, because Josh Smith got in foul trouble. And I think Hopkins got, and it was like, uh, I guess use this guy, but it's nice to go into the game and be the 12. It's like, Hey, you know what? Even like, like you said, the players don't think that way. But I think, like, just the mood of the game is different, and it's nice. Yeah. So it looks like I see four and a half on here. Okay. Um, it looks like it's moved a little bit. Georgetown's six and one against the spread in its last seven games. Uh, Colorado oh. is four and two in its last six. For Georgetown, the total has hit the under in six of its last eight games. For Colorado, total has hit the under in eight of their last 11. So this portends to be somewhat of a defensive battle. Um, and my guess is if you've got a defensive battle that you're going to be dealing with a, a game that is probably going to be reasonably close, which is not yeah. going to be good for, for our blood pressure. No, it's okay, but it's been like that a little bit. But I'll just, just to go back real quick. That's right. Like the whole idea that coming into these games for years, Georgetown's just been like, had like these great seasons but then you get to this game and everyone kind of just gets nervous and it's, it's completely different this year, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I, uh, well, I'll say that, but <laughs> I, I, I didn't feel great when we went down 13, six against Creighton. I was like, Oh man, you know, and, yeah. but you're right. This, this is the end of like tournament. We still have a little bit of that monkey on our back as far as, 
the first round failures, you know that a bunch of people are going to jump on us if we if we lose and if we especially if we somehow get you know blown out. That oh, you know, the coach might change, but same old Georgetown, you know, blah blah but blah. But even if that happened. Even if that happened, Georgetown is a twelve this time. You know what I mean? So yeah, I, I know. I, I just just prepare yourself for it because the narrative is still out there. It doesn't matter what our seat is. Um, um, I'm prepared I, for. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm prepared for much much bigger things this week. <laughs> yes, but big picture, I do agree. I mean, as a twelve, certainly you're what what the what the opinion should be is like, okay, if Georgetown is still in this game with five minutes left, that should be the surprise, right? Like a five is supposed to dispense of a 12. It's not supposed to be like a, it's not a coin flip, but I mean, you know, it's, it's, we, we, this should be a reasonably close game. And I think we have a good shot to pull the upset. I'll just say this. If you keep the same teams and you keep my knowledge of Colorado to as limited as it currently is, and you put yeah. a five next to Georgetown, and you put a twelve yeah. next to Colorado. I'm kind of nervous. Like I'm kind of, I'm kind of already feeling it. I'm like, when's it going to be Saturday? When's it going to be twelve fifteen? When can I exhale that they pass the stupid lose to a twelve? You know what I mean? So I, right. from that point of view, I think it's just completely different. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I also don't think that. I mean, are they really better than us? I mean, could we legitimately be the five in this matchup? I, I don't know. I mean, right I mean, now, I think if you <laughs> seeded teams based on what they've done since. Georgetown came out there, pause. I don't think Georgetown's a 12. Right. And, I mean, this whole season's been so odd. Um, what are we off the pause? What's the record? 10 and 4. Uh, that's impressive. Two of those losses to UConn. Mm-hmm. Who, you know what? And that's another thing, too. You go back to this the whole tournament run. You've heard me say it. A lot of these tournament runs, whether it's conference or in the NCAA, it comes down to matchups and a little bit of luck goes your way. And Georgetown's been on the wrong end of some luck, right? And going into the Big East tournament, you were looking at Villanova. They're not feeling great, you know, but you knew Marquette was going to be, well, you thought a dog fight, you know, and then mm-hmm. you get Seton Hall, who's obviously like the one game, they just ripped Georgetown apart. Georgetown got them back the other way. And then when you're sitting there watching after Georgetown beat Seton Hall and after the pod had been recorded, I'm like, Creighton, please, please do this job. Because for whatever reason, it just seemed like Connecticut's got Georgetown's number. And that just is what it is. And, you know, this isn't this isn't like, you know, me trying to like say Georgetown couldn't have beat them. But I think if you're picking, if you were picking, you wanted you wanted Creighton, right? So things have kind of gone their way. And people that seem to pay attention to college basketball sport more than me, I'm just more focused on this team on Kente Corner. Uh it, it you know, people are like, Wow, it's pretty good, pretty good draw. So I'm gonna go ahead and take their word for it. And that's, that's absolutely right. I mean, I, what worries me about any – you need guards to win in the NCAA tournament. Uh, we obviously have that. You know, we, we can play with anybody. Um, you know, I think we have a, a, a really good team. Um, I, I don't know that Colorado – what scares me about the UConn – we lost to UConn twice. You know, that's a team that has a really Two good Two really court. good guards. Yeah, and so I know Colorado has the point guard. I don't know about – their other situation. I worry about them having a really good backcourt. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. Um, and then our ability to establish you know, Wahab early and often, because um, certainly it would be bad if he picks up a couple of fouls early too. Uh, so, look, it's the dance. Anything can happen. But, again, the fact that we're even sitting here talking about this is remarkable. 
I'll say too, when like we talk about things or you tweet things. So for instance, you know, we, we're basically doing a little bit of, we're a little concerned, we're a little worried, but if I come out here and say how Georgetown's going to just rip through to the elite eight, people are going to come at me and say that, Oh my God, like jinx, jinx, jinx. Right. Then if we come up here and like, we talk like we've been the last five minutes and sort of say like, you know, just like tempered optimism, you know, just, just, you know, Hey, let's just pump the brakes. And it's like, Oh, you guys are being so negative. Yeah. <laughs> I think if you're a Georgetown fan right now, you should be completely positive and you should not be at all scared about what's coming for you in the next couple of days. And maybe, maybe a couple of weeks, I will say this, and I know you haven't been on, so I don't know your thoughts. I was really surprised and disappointed when the whole, you know, Blair didn't play a game and then he starts coming off the bench because I just felt like you really need him. Like you like I don't like falling down nine oh all the time. I don't know nobody does, right? And mm-hmm. I have to say it's worked completely well. Like whatever it is, Ewing, you know, he said coach's decision, which okay, sure. Um it's worked like completely. And I've said it on multiple podcasts. If you've been listening, like you said, you have, you've heard me say like, wow, I can't believe this has gone the way it has. And it has. And were you, what, what was basically like, like the first game you saw, like, Oh, Blair's not playing. And then, Oh, Blair's not starting. Like, were you just like, Oh God, here we go again. Or, you know. No, I mean, I, I, I actually liked Blair coming off the bench. I think when you have that kind of offensive spark plug coming off the bench, it's a good thing. I, I that game. Yeah. What game was it? Um, he didn't play versus DePaul, I'm pretty sure. What was the game after that? The game after DePaul? There's there's one game he came. It was at McDonough. Yeah. I got Xavier. it. They were at yeah. DePaul and then Xavier at home. Yeah, the Xavier game where I mean at the end, I mean he was out of control. I mean he was it was the senior senior night game. Was that Xavier? Yes. Yeah, I mean he was he was just out of control. I mean he was clearly forcing the issue. Um, put it this way it wasn't much unlike what he was doing against Creighton except the shots weren't falling sure. <laughs> I mean those like lefty runners in the lane um, you know but like like you've mentioned on the podcast and I think it was uh, maybe it was Jimmy Jackson or yeah it was awesome, podcast, awesome like you just you with him you just you just take the paraphrasing I mean you just gotta you gotta take the good with the bad right so yeah yeah yeah, I mean, if he's, if he's hot, he, you want him in there. I don't necessarily think he needs to start. Um, you, arguably, you could say that the single most important shot for Georgetown in the Big East tournament may have been Don Carey's four-point play. Yeah, I wrote that um, in one of the previews, yeah. Okay, yeah, so when we were down 9 nothing, he hits that all of a sudden, it's 9-4, and you're like, okay, that stops the bleeding. You're right. Um, you know, and we're back in this thing. Yeah, I mean, if it, if it was a thing where, you know, Blair just – basically, if, if Blair didn't sit the one game and it was Coach's decision, that would make sense. It was obviously very unusual when he just didn't play, right? Like, you, if you don't play your leading score, you know, in mm-hmm. February, there's something going on, okay? But I did point out to Patrick a couple times during the season that, hey, looks like Don Carey, for as good as Chudy's done starting, it seems like Don Carey hasn't been able to find his rhythm off the bench. And like you said, it is, you know, Blair, I, I mean, you remember me, I was part of the Blair, no, you were to Blair switch. I was Blair Island when they mm-hmm. had, the, when they had the deep team to start last season, I was mm-hmm. upset he wasn't playing a little bit more. Cause like he could just go and just, just fill it up. He doesn't need a feel. He comes in, he shoots, it's whatever. So you're right in, a, in an ideal situation. He is the perfect six man. I just thought for this group, 
not starting him could be risky sometimes. But yeah, the you're right. The Don Carey four point play was huge, and it's all worked out. I think since they made that switch, Georgetown obviously they've won a Big East tournament. They are six and one. Blair was on the all tournament team. It's all worked. It's all worked. Everything's coming up Ewing right now. Everything is coming up Ewing, and it is it is. It is. <laughs> remarkable and, and again I mentioned this at the outset but for me the most rewarding thing is I mean you know we started Cowboys in 2009 um, we had the flame out in 2010 against Ohio we you know we obviously had 2011 against uh, VCU right. okay and then obviously <laughs> everything horrible kind of the shit hit the fan against Florida Gulf Coast, kind of had the rebound against, um, you know, Eastern Washington, and then that, that lost to Utah, which was deflating. Really, ever since then, it's been kind of a sh- just a shit show, you know, and it's been really tough on the fan base. Um, and just to see the fan base come back to life after each game, you know, you had more ears perk up, right? Um, yeah. And, and eyes open. And Saturday night, against Creighton and the aftermath was, was just so nice to see from, from my perspective. It was, it was just, it was just great. Yeah. And I think it's important to mention, you know, we've talked about Blair a bunch, but Jamarco Pickett, Jamarco Pickett was mm-hmm. a big time top 100 recruit. Okay. Mm-hmm. He flipped from Ole Miss, him and Blair were, you know, Ewing's first two guys and to have him, you know, we talk about local recruiting all the time. He's a local guy. He's mentioned the DC public schools a bunch. I think he finished, or he did a prep year at um, Mass Nutton. But, you know, he's a D.C. guy. And to have them get to the tournament, I mean, let alone God, winning the Big East tournament, just that's something I didn't think was achievable. But to get to the tournament, you figure once in his four years, you could probably do that. And it's great because Georgetown become a place where, you know, Jagan Mosley, you know, one of the all-time favorites, unfortunately didn't get to play in the tournament. You know, Jesse Govan, Caleb Johnson, they stayed four years. Marcus Derrickson left a year early. That's two classes in a row that never got to play in the tournament. And that shouldn't be happening at Georgetown, right? Like, I think we can agree that while it's nice to want to, you know, make the tournament every year, that's hard. I mean, look, Kentucky and Duke just didn't do it, right? Like, things happen. But to go an entire class and the kids that stay four years to not make it, it's a bummer. So it's awesome to see Jamarco and Javon be rewarded for sticking around and getting this far. Yeah, and, and Pickett Pickett deserves a lot of credit for the transformation of his game, too. You know, he's, he's playing more within himself. He's not having to force anything. He's almost really become a defensive stopper. Um, yeah. Again, I think you alluded to it on one of your previous podcasts. I mean, would you ever think that in a game that he scored as many points as, as Iggy and Malcolm? Uh, Malcolm Wilson that we would have won by, you know, 25 points or whatever. It was, that's unbelievable. Right, the, fact, right. the fact that we can win games now without Pickett having to shoulder the load, again, that's probably a good thing. Um, yeah. well, it's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. And I think that Pickett's game just is much more improved by the fact that he doesn't have to force everything. Yeah, no, it's it's hard to be that guy. And, you know, if you're not great off the dribble, it's hard to – you know, be in a position where you have to force stuff. So I think, yeah, everyone's kind of come around into their role. Um, you know, it sounded kind of, I don't know, silly when Ewing was, a, when brought out his whole gumbo thing initially, it turned out to be a really good analogy. And let me just say this too. Oh, let me, before you jump 
away from the gumbo. Yeah. Um, you know where the final four is in next year, right? Uh, hopefully I'm going to be there. Yeah. New Orleans. Where is it? New Orleans. Oh, yeah. There you go. I can't wait. What better story would it be to send you gumbo <laughs> together in New Orleans, the final four? Well, and because you can always say that you're still working on it, right? You can always say that. So he can continue that way. Like, well, you know, like whatever happens this year, if they don't cut down the nets, which, you know, I'm sure it's 50-50 there, they will or they won't, right? Um, if they don't cut down the nets, he can say he's, he's still tinkering with it. He's still working on that. So he's just trying to, you know, perfect it just like you do anything else. I'll say this. There were times this year, and I think you were part of it much earlier, that a lot of us were looking towards, well, look, the season, let's just be honest, it's not going to be that great. So what can we get out of it? Well, you know, the defense can improve. And we can see some signs for the future, you know, from Sibley, from Kobe Clark, from Berger, mm-hmm. from Dante mm-hmm. Harris, you know. And at that point, it seemed like, why aren't you doing this? And he would just look at you when I asked him a couple different ways. And he looked at me like, shut up, you know, I'm like, OK, you know, I mean, he, you know, <laughs> pa- Patrick's really nice. But I'm saying like he hated the question because it's kind of, you know, quote unquote, loser talk. Right. Like, well, yeah. you lost the game, but, you know, whatever. and he was like, we are trying to win every game. And in my head, I'm like, uh, you probably want to worry about next year a little bit too. But like, guess what? He, again, everything's coming up Ewing. Like, he was right. I don't think my question was wrong, but I do think that like he, he had he had this idea. Like, I, what, whatever he's seeing in practice, it you know it was different than what we were seeing on the games. And for him to stick with it when it wasn't going well, I think is just it's a great part of the story, right? I mean, I don't think that it was crazy to think like, well, why aren't we playing the younger guys a little just a little bit more? There's no chapter in this in this story in this book that is not worth reading. That you or if you read it, you'd be like, this wasn't a good chapter. Um, <laughs> so everything that has happened up until now, as far as I'm concerned, has been fantastic. Because without all that stuff at the beginning, we don't yeah. get the jubilation that we're experiencing right now. So um, you know, let's hope it continues into the weekend. You know, I do like that we're playing on a Saturday. How do you feel about the early tip though? You like kind of getting it out of the way? Would you prefer like the build up into the night? I like the build up, but I tell you what's pretty sweet is to win, put up your feet, and watch everyone else go at it. Right, and that's so. So we're done. I mean, it's twelve fifteen central, so I'm done essentially by two fifteen in the afternoon on Saturday. I mean, yeah. that'd be really nice to just have it, like you said, just out of the way, just kick back, and you know, wait and see who. Wait, just when does Florida State play? When's that one? Is that? Like, will we know who we're sure. playing? Yeah, I don't know. I even look. Um, but, you know, all that stuff is, is, is always fun. Well, and it's crazy, too, because if Florida State gets upset, I'm just, again, this is not me jinxing, they play an opponent that Georgetown's had a little problems with, right? Like like UNC Greensboro. Like, that's remember that game? Like, that was kind of a program-defining moment for Georgetown <laughs> until they just, you know, they just defined their moment on themselves. But you know what I mean? So... There's a lot of storylines there, man. Like, if, that, if it happens, if you get a 12 versus 13, which guess what? We've seen it before. We've seen that on brackets. Like, of, okay, all, so the thir- the, of, all, the, of all the 13s, that yeah. one is like, holy. If you want to talk about the McClung storyline, UNC Greensboro played a part in another, you know, transfer. You know, so. Yeah. And, well, okay, so it looks like they, are, they tip 30 minutes after us. So our game will end 30 minutes before theirs. Yeah, and then I'll be on here yakking it up with uh, who knows who. I'm sure we, we have great guests all the time. Marcus has done a great job. You know, Nolan, Ben, um, John, and Y. 
Oh, Rich. Oh, don't worry. There's we got we got some Rich coming this week. Don't worry. Yeah. No, you, you you've been killing it um, with the podcast. Just uh, just keep it up. Just let me know whenever you want me to, to come back on again. Um, you know, hopefully we'll have a lot to discuss after a victory on Saturday. Andrew, it's been great to have you back. The people have been asking for it, and if I have you back, you know it's going to be big time because you are just a big game player. Um, I'm, I'm a man of humble means. Um, but what I do like actually is a segment where we take questions from Twitter. So maybe we can, we can do that again. Oh um, yeah. I'm sure there'll be uh, some nice ones uh, this weekend. And Either we way. went a whole, a whole podcast without you saying what sports are, which is great. Hopefully I want to say it. <laughs> All right. My dogs are going crazy in the background. You can find Andrew at casual Hoya. Millions of you already follow him. Watch out there. And until next time. Hoya Saxa.